Welcome to episode 177 of the No Persinium podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from NoPro headquarters in Los Angeles. Uh, soon soon to be moved our headquarters, not from Los Angeles, just, just where the headquarters is. Um, the, uh, the headquarters will be somewhere other than I record the podcast uh, on Friday mornings. Uh, more on that next time. Uh, what's going on? What's going on? Um... Anyway, uh, for those of you who don't know the show at all, hi. Uh, today we're going to be talking with Nancy Baker Cahill, uh, who is a multidisciplinary artist whose latest work is in VR and AR. Uh, it's quite exciting stuff. Uh, we met Nancy thanks to our friend Jesse Damiani of Spatial Reality. Uh, her work was um, her work was at Spatial Reality, which was Jesse's gallery show in Pasadena at the the gallery, uh, the Space Gallery, which is at Eisenberg. Uh, it was actually Ray Moscow who p- put me into the, um, the into Nancy's work. Um, so yeah, uh, just a little all in the family kind of moment. Um, Nancy and I hadn't uh, met each other before this conversation. Uh, we talked for about an hour, and she like showed me some work before we turned the microphones off on, and then we turned the microphones off. And then uh, we talked for like another hour. So uh, just absolutely fantastic conversation. Uh, glad you, you all get to hear this one. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, more on that in a moment. I'll set up the work. Um, hey, this episode is brought to you by listeners like you with the support of the Johnny Carson Center for Emerging Media Arts, who have been helping us out for the past month. Um, here we go. Uh, this is why they're helping us out. So they are looking, they're seeking emerging media arts professors and pioneers. Let's get into the copy. The Johnny Carson Center for Emerging Media Arts, a newly established $57 million facility and academic degree at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln is re-envisioning the university for the 21st century and how students learn. We are looking for a pioneering faculty team to reimagine how stories are told across a continuum from live performance to immersive and interactive media, cinema, arts, virtual and mixed reality, gaming, extended theater, sonic arts, physical computing, data and art, and spatial and experience design. For more information or to apply, visit go.unl.edu slash Carson Center Faculty. For questions, contact Megan Elliott, Director of Johnny Carson Center for Emerging Media Arts at megan.elliott at unl.edu. All right. And of course, links in the show notes. A few announcements to go. Um, No Pro Live is coming up on January 5th. And I can start announcing our guests, uh, Eric Gradman of Two Bit Circus, because you know we're doing a Two Bit Circus. Uh, he'll be joining us. So will Lauren Ludwig of Capital W and Josh Randall of both Two Bit Circus and Blackout, plus other special guests. Uh, some surprises in store. Uh, this will be interesting. It's going to be interesting. We've never done the show live before. Uh, the uh, two o'clock is uh, when the show starts, um, or or about when the show starts. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Uh, two o'clock is showtime. Uh, we're gonna have the space till five because we're gonna do an everything immersive meetup after the show wraps. And just you know, if you're in the area, swing on by. It's gonna be worth it. It's definitely going to be worth it. Just leave it at that. Um, hey. 
something else uh, to announce. Our friends at RuneScape Artist, uh, I mentioned this last week, they've got a Patreon. We'll talk about our Patreon in a second. Uh, they are chugging along. I think they're up to 39 patrons and a little over $500 a month right now. Um, and, you know, David and Lisa do amazing work. And if escape rooms are your thing, I encourage you to check out and, and throw them a little support. On our side of things, our Patreon, um, we're back under the $1,250 goal. Uh, it's like, uh, you know, just we're doing this little dance. There's a good above it, below it, above it, below it. Um, boy, that's frustrating. Um, so, you know, let's push to $1,300 here. Uh, I do want to thank our latest three backers, uh, Terrence LeClaire, Alicia Yap, and Rizwan Kasim, uh, all for jumping in. And yeah, um, we're at 210 backers, which is a fantastic number of people. Um, knowing how many people use Everything Immersive and everything else we do, uh, I do want to get the number up, up, up. I think at this rate, I feel like, I feel that with everything, you know, it's not unreasonable for me to go like, eh, we should have like 400 backers. We should have 400 backers right now. That's that's about about ten percent of the everything immersive population. That feels about right. So, uh, if you know folks who are using everything immersive all the time and they're not a backer of the show, tell them, hey, throw us a buck. It goes a long way. Because uh, the work it doesn't stop. Oh no, the work gets more intense all the time. And uh, just to be blunt, look around the media landscape. Uh, institutions that have been around for a quarter of a century are dying off. Why? Because they used ad backed models, and those don't work anymore. So, um, if you want these organs to exist, if you want us to be able to grow, if you want us to be able to do features, and if you want us to, I don't know, like carry insurance riders and do all the kinds of stuff that would make us a real boy, um, throw some money at the blasted thing. Patreon.com slash no proscenium. Only ask for a dollar a month. Five bucks if you want to hear my uh, occasional ramblings uh, that, that no one else has to listen to, uh, gets to listen to. <laughs> Intentional Freudian slip. All right, the sustaining backers of this circus are Jan Butman, Lonnie Hansen, Ari Hurston, Mark Balthazar, Sam Kinkin, and Ross Sigworth. Thank you for managing the 90 rings that we are dealing with here. Um, those of you who are wondering what's up with IDS, we are slowly going through these six. Actually, we're, we're through like the first round. Like we've, we've made some uh, choices and cuts and, and then we're gonna do some other adjustments and we're trying to give that information out as soon as possible uh, to start inviting people, uh, you know, there will be people who, uh, decline. And so then we keep on rolling down the list. And so we have, we have a wait list already in place, um, and everything's kind of being juggled around. So we're, we, we know this is a painful process in every way, shape and form. And quite frankly, if we had a bigger room, we would just take everybody, um, but this is again, chicken and the egg, like we are not millionaires, so we can't just go like, we're just going to rent Moscone and put this on for free, um, which we would like literally, I mean, if someone's sitting on that, you know, billion and a half lotto ticket, who listens to the show and they're like, I'm just never going to use this. Give it to me. Give it, give it, give it, give it mine, mine. Um, yeah. Cause, uh, we, we could, we could do some good. We could do, we could, we, oh, we could do a lot of good. Where was I? All right. Um, let's see, do the Patreon thing, you know, complain about the lotto, Patreon again, uh, no pro live, Nancy Baker Cahill. Oh, right. The interview this time. This was delightful. Uh, 
sometimes my favorite episodes are the episodes where I don't know the person. Other times, like, it, just, it doesn't work, right? But, like, sometimes, and this is one of those. Um, and and Jesse was like, hey, you got to meet Nancy. She's great. And the work. So so the work the, the, the work that's in VR that I think most people will, will get a chance to check out easily is the uh, the hollow point series and she's made these you know vortexes of just like there's this there's these how does it make how to say this so it doesn't sound like i'm a crazy person which is pretty much my entire struggle in life um so we'll start from the beginning nancy is a fine artist uh illustrator she works with graphite and a big thing of that her current process is was translating from what she was doing in 2D into 3D, uh, sort of the way she naturally works. And so she's, just, you know, we'll go through that process in the interview, so I don't want to spoil anything. Uh, and then that's actually kind of synced back up and, and re-influenced. So the work she's doing in 3D is now influencing the work she's doing in 2D. But the experience of of her work is that you wind up getting to stand in it. So they've they've hacked it so that you start on the outside looking at this slowly moving vortex um, which is constructed of all of these brush strokes um, that have then been converted uh, from the standard tilt brush brush strokes through a post process that you know uses strokes of her own design and elements and the navigational controls on the Vive, because that's the, the setup was through the Vive, um, the, sort of the teleport function that's kind of basic has been slowed down greatly so that you kind of glide towards the object or, or inside the object and just, you know, get ready to drink, immerse yourself in it. And there's something so visceral about uh, drink, uh, about... <laughs> about the work she's made because I mean, every the interesting thing about seeing art up close, like you go to a museum and it's not just about, Oh, look at that pretty picture. It's about the brush strokes, right? You can see the paint, you can see the effort and you, you come to realize in a way that's immediate, that doesn't need any uh, intellectual buffer. What, physical effort went into making the work, right? Like the work isn't just, you know, oh, it's a work of art. It's a work of art. That quality is apparent in Nancy's VR pieces. You can see the trace of what her body did in space uh, because she drew this kind of all around her. And when you're inside of it, she she had ba she essentially drew it all around you. Um, you get that to take on her perspective by entering into the piece, and that's maybe fundamentally one of the most interesting things about things like tilt brush, um, and is sort of the quintessentially immersive thing is this ability to connect to a perspective. Anyway, that is a big old preamble um, for what is a, a, a lovely and philosophical conversation with Nancy Baker Cahill, which we get into right now. 
curtain. Um, okay. <laughs> Nancy, we're inside. So we'll just, we just roll into it. Okay, so, great. so just to set the scene here for a second, we're inside your studio and there's, there's a few of your, I guess we can call them 2d pieces on the walls here. Um, and what I got to see at spatial reality, which Jesse was on a couple episodes ago, uh, were some of the, some of sort of this style of work. I'm, I'm even getting, I'm looking at it and I feel like I'm getting it wrong as I'm saying <laughs> it. This style of work translated into VR. Yes. So what, could you take us just through the, what got you into taking your work off of the canvas and into virtual space? Yeah. Yes, I can. Exactly. Um, all of the 2d drawings that I've done in my, in my life, um, have, have sort of aimed to create an empathic response in the viewer and are intended to be really felt and experienced. And I've done that in a number of ways, both with imagery and also with scale. And I was getting increasingly frustrated because I had this impulse to really, I really have always viewed paper as as white space, as a void. And, and I've always tried to sort of extract forms from that void. Um, but I was getting increasingly frustrated because I really wanted them to be three-dimensional. And you can see they're very sculptural yeah. in their nature. I mean, there's a piece behind you, one of the vortexy kind of pieces, and it looks like glass shards that have exploded and are swirling out. And some, it looks like some of the pieces are actually like not drawn, but are affixed to. I don't know if I'm right. You are absolutely right. Okay, some but, of those pieces are actually collaged onto them. Yeah. So it, 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 yes, that is actually post VR. Oh. So that's actually. Um, we'll get to that in a yeah, second. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about that earlier. So, um, but I remember someone stood in front of actually that painting. That, it's not a painting, it's a drawing. But mm. sometimes I think of them as graphite paintings because of the way I make them. I'm not even aware sometimes that I'm drawing um, because they just kind of, because of the way I do it. But, um, and she said, oh, that is exactly the way I feel. And I thought, I just want to put, it was such a like shattering moment for me because I thought, I want to put you inside of it. I want you to feel it more. Mm. And I was discussing this with a, with, with a friend and a colleague and she was like, well, why don't you just start making them in VR? And that was that sort of seminal moment. That was that moment where I was like, oh my God, I hadn't thought about that in 20 years. Thought about VR in 20 years, yeah. let alone as a, as an artistic tool and so <clears throat> I um I got my hands on some equipment with a with some help and just started to play and started to and realized very quickly that standing in the void in this sort of and and drawing in 360 was this almost ecstatic extrapolation and extension of what I was doing on paper and it was liberating in this sort of unexpected and and surprising way and allowed me to take all of these risks and to to push the drawing in a strange way um in 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 allowed me to take risks in this way that was that like I couldn't have anticipated mm -hmm. because of the freedom it was like standing in the paper but in 360 I don't yeah. know how else to put it no that's so I mean, I mean for someone who hasn't been in VR they wouldn't know but it would it would the equivalent would be like if you could just draw in the air Right? Exactly. Like that's, that's that is. is exactly yeah. what it is. And to kind of literally see the, tr like, if you look at a drawing and you really know how to read drawings on paper, you can see all the decisions, but there is 
a way that those decisions can be covered, obfuscated in a variety of ways. But when you do it in 360, it's it's all naked. It's all there. Mm. It's all available to you. As a, as I said before, almost like a frozen performance. Mm. And so yeah. um, so that was really like 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 it's like the motion of the body. Like when when you are exactly. standing one of the hollow point pieces, you you can you start to like use the wand to sort of like touch because you can't actually touch. So you sort of use the wand to touch it. And then what we're really doing is we're, we're tracing the line your body made yes. while you were making it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So it's almost like you're inside the artist's head mm. in a way. Um, so it's, it's incredibly, it's both, it's an intimate experience and it's also a um, hopefully transformative experience because I can't put you inside my head here, you just see the byproduct of it. Or not the byproduct, but the end result. I love what you just said, like, I can't put you inside my head, because, like, my entire life, I've, I've always had this refrain of, like, you know, like, I can't get inside your head. And the thing that I often find it attractive about the potential of immersive work, it, no matter what technical medium it's coming through, is that we are able to put people inside other people's heads. We're able to... Yeah. We're able to, you know, put a device or put a scenario together and if not create or and, and feed audio in if we want to to get the internal monologue. And and it's like it's as close as we can get to telepathy. Yes, that's that's exactly right. It's, it's pretty mind blowing if you think about it. For the hollow point series, you, you started with the tilt brush tools and, and brush strokes and then you started I got, changing it. Yeah, I mean I I started off with them and I and you know, it's such a fun app. It's 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 it has offers obviously sort of infinite possibility, but it's also very sort of to me aimed at the animator or at someone who or it, I mean even I mean, there's a reason why kids love it so much. Like you can make fire and snow and you do all these like rainbows and and it's very glittery, and like the disco brush is particularly fun. I must say, it's sort of like an animated snake, um, <laughs> and I, lots of fun with that. But I really wanted to. I found myself just sort of like torquing it and like bending it to my will to try and create this. As I said before, a kind of consistency to the visual vernacular with the drawings that I had already established. Because to me, the VR drawings are merely an extension and expansion. Mm of um, an amplification of this work. So they're all in the same family. It's not like a discrete separate work, body of work. And so I, I got very frustrated with that and with the presets. And I did the best I could, but then but then realized, oh, to take it, to make it, to, to sort of um, integrate it into that body of work, I needed to create my own marks and, and translate them after the fact using Tilbrush as this miraculous, miraculous sort of architectural tool, mm. if you will. So the process is to, to use the tools in Tiltbrush and then in post-production translate your own strokes into the finished work. Yes, exactly. Right. Exactly. And then they, become, then they become finished works of art themselves that are in conversation and dialogue with these. On that note... And, and that you mentioned that the piece behind you is post VR. What, how has your work in 2D changed because you've been working in 3D? Because you brought this it's up. It's been insane. Yeah, it's insane. It's basically, um, it, it, has, it has altered the way I perceive literal space, 
velocity. Um, for example, if you look at like one of the older drawings, I thought that was, I thought that was full of motion and I, it felt like super dynamic to me. And I, and I, and it, this is a static image I'm talking about. Yeah. And it, it, it felt like it was in motion until I started drawing in VR. And then I was like, oh, oh, that's like a, that's almost, that's glacial. That's not, it's not dead, but it's, it's not animated in the way that this, I, I, I realized like I just started when I started like adding pieces and creating distance between literal physical distance between the forms beneath and the forms in front and trying to play with that. Not even consciously, by the way, none of this was conscious. It just happened. Yeah. And then I was like, Oh my God, I had that. Like, I was like, something's shifted. Something has shifted like neuroanatomically, I think, because there's trickery. There's some trickery that's happened. And so I've actually had to undo some of that. Like when I'm, when I get a commission to do something more traditional, I have to undo all of that, that work. I have to literally like take whatever myelin has developed in this other section of my brain and set it aside and work again from this other space. I don't know if this is all very abstract. I don't know if it makes any sense. But, but by working in VR and by, by drawing in 360, it's almost like I took that physical experience and brought it onto the paper yeah. without even under realizing it at the yeah. time. And so when you look at them, they are they look different and they are experienced differently. It's, it's like you've moved into another period of your work. Yes. Right? Like th through through an experience, through change. You when we were going through the pieces, you you mentioned that I that uh, God, there was some point where we were talking about content versus experience and about yes. change and sort of that. Yeah, you had a bit of a rant there about, about people approaching art in this VR space and it, and, it, and and not really knowing what to make out of fine art in this. Yeah, I think that that's the, that's the real frustration and I'm excited to actually, as more and more artists start playing and, and venturing into this territory, to see people actually making work that has content versus work that, as I said, is merely... Um, experiential and there's obviously a place for it I have my own bias against it I mean I've, I've gone to several art galleries and been in VR works that have left me cold that have just been I've been like wow that's just like a sonic blast with a bunch of like visual you know there's a there's a real difference and what and this is just my own agenda I guess but like I want you to come away changed I want you to feel something I want to provoke your thoughts I want you to I want you to be haunted by it and or moved by it or something. And that to me just doesn't really happen without content. It's more like candy. It's just like, junk, it's not, I don't want to call it junk food, but it's more like candy. It just doesn't have like enough substantive calories. Right. And to, I don't really see the point in making something unless it's going to impact someone in a, in a, in any way, whether it's profound or, or not even as profound, but I want you to feel it. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, that's one of the things I mean, in our culture right now, in general, across the board, there's this, it's funny, like using the term content as 
I always, I always use it like a negative, like just because like there's so much content, like there's so much Netflix, like I was talking oh, about this oh. the other day, right? There's this like, there's the endless scroll of stuff. Saturday Night Live made a joke last week that like, that Netflix's goal was like, by the time you get to the end of the scroll, they've added a new show. <laughs> like that's how fast. And it does feel that way. Oh, it totally right? feels that way. You know, it's yeah. like, well, that show wasn't there before. It's yeah. like, wait, okay. Yeah. No, no, there's a new show. And just like, and there, and no one's going to watch all this stuff and no one's going to consume all this stuff. Right. And it's just, being made just to I was I was talking about this the other night with someone it's just being made to crowd out the shelf space the yes. way that there's like 90 versions of Tide everyone just buys normal Tide <laughs> right. no one buys like you know Spring bro- Blossom yeah, Tide pop it, pop and fetch dough Pillsbury <laughs> Tide like no one buys it that's just there to keep all off Target's shelf. Right. Like that's that's the only reason why. Just crowd out. It's a monopoly. Yeah. It's yeah. a monopoly. It's a monopoly move. Like we're just gonna we're gonna rebrand this stuff and put a different scent on it. Right. And that's why there's like ninety million versions of the Great British Baking Show. So but maybe the con maybe that maybe the content oh, is I'm the a, wrong word. No, but, but maybe, I don't want to take that word from you. But like Well I no, but yeah. maybe it's just good content. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like Meaning. maybe it's yeah. Yeah. I mean or or conceptual grit conceptual heft conceptual intent like to me it's like it comes back to that question of intention like when you say like i'm interested like what is the artist trying or the maker trying to communicate is it worthy of your time annie dillard has this amazing in this essay she writes um to a writer in the world she says she's giving advice to writers and she says what would you say to a dying man that would not enrage with its triviality I'm totally quoting it yeah, properly, yeah. but that's basically what she says. Right. So if, you, if you're going to take up someone's time, make it worth their time. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. No, I do. Yeah. I do. Like, it, it's, it's almost like the key to respecting someone's agency is if it's going to be trivial let them choose to engage with the triviality. Sure. I love trivial things, but only when I've chosen, if someone comes to me and says like, this is important, then it turns out to be trivial. Then I make a harsh judgment about them, but I can spend all day long going through like Wikipedia reading about Dr. Who episodes. I'm never going to watch. I have done this. I wouldn't say that is trivial. (laughs) (laughs) I think, but but you could say like the snapshot you know, facial filter, oh God, like, yeah, okay, yeah. that's a, tri- like, to me, that's like a trivial thing, yeah. you or know, like that's like through, fun, yeah. whatever, you yeah. know, swiping through like Instagram stories, right. totally, right? right, just like a boom, 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 oh, right. what's this one, what's this, okay, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. absolutely, that's right, but, but like, I'm talking about like, really having an impact, yeah, or trying, like, like to, to take the time of like, inviting someone and, and, and putting something, it's funny, because like, I do want to talk in a second here about the site-specific work that you're, that you're doing with the AR app you have, uh, fourth wall, but, um, the, it's funny because like this idea of if we're going to ask people to go somewhere, somewhere that is uh, separated from the world and have a vaunted experience, then, then we should be at least respecting their time and actually make something with some thought behind it. Yes, 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 yes. And that is, uh, there's, uh, I'm, it's Mark Maron, right? So so he apparently, I haven't heard his new, I haven't watched his new show, but I had this awesome Lyft drive the other day. (laughs) And the guy was like, we we got on the subject of comedy and he was saying that his new bit is like, uh, like when someone asks him to do something, he's like, I don't know how much time I have left. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? And it's like, that's how I feel. I feel like, Oh God. Yeah. Like, like if you're going to ask someone, like, that's how I, it's like, really do you, you want to do that? Okay. Yeah. I don't know how much time I've left. Is it yeah. good? Is it going to be worth the time? Yeah. We're you all know? dying. So yeah. can you, so, is it worth, 
Oh, that's funny. I looked down and this table is called, is, the brand is Lifetime. Uh, <laughs> all right. We're, Costco we're, special. We're, yeah. we're, in a, we're, we're in the synchronicity. Totally. Um, in situ. Um, yeah. The fourth wall app and, yeah. and the AR, the AR work you're doing. Um, uh, tell, tell us a bit about, about that. Because this is something that anyone go on, on their iOS or on yes, Android. Yes, or Android. Right the Android has to have AR core and it has to be iOS. Uh, or, and if it's an iPhone, it has to be a successor above. Okay. iOS 11. Um, and it's free public art app in AR. And I, do you want me to just tell a little bit about the background of it? Oh, yeah, or please like, okay. go for it. Just so it started off as this way of sort of sharing... Of, of offering the VR drawings translated into AR. So these 360 drawings that you, the viewer, user, have, whatever you want to call it, could place, and by place I mean you could literally like conjure it mm-hmm. with the phone, with the app, anywhere you wanted, anywhere in the world. So it was all your choice. And it became this sort of wordless communication uh, collaboration between me, the artist, and and the person on the other end who can decide where and when and how they want to experience the work. And so people would either record them with a video function or a camera, and they started appearing all over the world, which was so thrilling. And, and in doing so, and this is sort of the, this like presages what comes later, but basically they, they created content by placing them in a variety of contexts. And some of the contexts were as banal as like, over my bed. And some of them were literally like, through the Mex- U.S.-Mexico border wall. Mm. So there's this whole thing like about, you know, borderless, whatever. Let's not even get into borders because I'll just have a whole other rant. <laughs> anyway, um, and it also allowed people to come into my studio because I wanted to give context for the work, of, uh, you know, this studio practice, that it mm. was born out of this practice and that that work, that the AR drawings, the VR drawings were directly related to this, to all of this that's around us. So you can teleport through the studio right now a version, an earlier version of my studio from February of 2018. And then also there is this volumetric capture, which nobody really needs to listen to more than for three seconds. But, um, and that also, that hologram can, you can put that anywhere. You could, (laughs) anyway, won't get into that either. So, um, so that was all charming how embarrassed you are that there's a volumetric (laughs) capture of you talking and you're just like, Oh, please don't. It's on the app. Don't, don't look at it. Please Please don't, don't. please keep the volume down. (laughs) Um, um, but back to the, yeah, that whole conversation about performance anyway. So, so, um, but then, and that was really exciting and thrilling, but I realized after a certain point that I had created or with my extraordinary technical partners and creative partners at drive studios, this platform, and that I wanted to um, actually invert what I had done originally. And we started talking about the geolocation. And I thought, what if we could t- push public art even further in this, in AR, and, and invite specific artists who are working rig- rigorously and topically to choose a site of, sig- of cultural or political or um, historic significance and place a, their own work specific to that site at that site in augmented reality and then invite people to experience it that way. And I, I, one thing I didn't tell you is right, like right now I co-curated with Deborah Skako, who's an amazing artist and curator, um, a whole AR exhibition along the LA river called mm. defining line. Oh, wow. So you can actually go to these different sites along the river and it deals with all kinds of, you know, gentrification, immigration, um, climate change, all of these things that affect all of us, but they are very, very specifically colonization. Um, right down here in Atwater, we have <clears throat> incredible piece that we placed over 
anyway, I, 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 do you want to spoil it? Yeah, no, yeah. I'm spoil. Okay. Anyway, point is, um, it allowed us to be subversive and nimble and use the app almost as a kind of tool of resistance and use it as a means of without not asking permission from anyone because no one owns this space yet. No one has said like, you can't do that. So, well, I mean, how could you ever, this, this is the thing to me, right? Is like so long, this thing is fascinating, right? It's like, we have this problem right now where everyone conceives of the internet as just because of everyone's behavior as being just Facebook, Google, Amazon and Twitter. These are the things, you know, Tumblr just banned porn. Twitter to today or yesterday just said like, uh, you know, conspiracy theories are, are going to be, you know, a, a way to get, you know, ban people for like talking about conspiracy theories. And that ranges everything from like Q and pizza gate, which are like these insane things right. to like talking about like JFK or, or, or any of this stuff. And, and Oh, and one of them, JFK or the Church of Scientology, which okay, which, that's diabolical. Which which was oh my god. Which at that point I was like, well, you guys just stepped on a third rail exactly. because they're gonna sue you, and that's that's it forever, yeah. right? You know, yeah. like good luck on that one, guys. Yeah, yeah. But like, um, uh, that one that one blew my mind. But there's this whole idea of like you know, um, of of whether you whether. You, the problem with like limiting speech in any way, shape or form is even when you like absolutely hate, you know, info wars and all that, all that stuff, you know, and, and at the scale that things happen online, it, it is, it, I'm okay if someone gets deplatformed off a, a private thing. It's the fact that everyone's focused on those private things as being public space when it's like, they're not right. Public space is actually literally public space. Exactly. The problem is, is if, you know, there's, if a server, if a network can't put itself up and plug itself into the internet and host these things. Right. And if that's when you actually have a, a actual censorship problem. Well, censorship you know. is terrifying in all forms. Right. And this is why, this is why, again, this subverse, this, this urge toward this, like adverting toward, um, pushing those boundaries and, and being in sort of slipping in, yeah. getting in and saying, look, you know, you can't, as you said before, like you can't see it, it's yeah. invisible, yeah. but it's there. Like if you know the app exists and if you have a way of accessing the app, like, you know, there, there might come a day when Google and Apple say, oh, this app can't exist anymore because it has a subversive material, right? And they've, they've done that in the past, right? And like yeah. they've done it on all sides of the political spectrum. Like they want to have a sanitized experience, you know, everyone happily in their little capitalist, you know, like consumerist you know, beige mode, world. right? Yeah. Beige, 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 right? So, but if you know, if you know the right sequence of numbers, yeah. you know, you can, you can sideload something on and then still see it, right? Totally. Like the only it's only really censorship if the government like literally rips a server out of a wall and doesn't allow it to, to connect with any of the other servers. Exactly. And that's actually the beauty of the data layer is like we can hide this stuff forever, right? In plain sight. In plain sight. Yeah. Yeah. In space. We can hang in it in space. space. Totally. Totally. Which and, is so exciting. And which is, and it's there. Like, I mean, if you go to the website, there's actually a website, Fourth Wall. I'm not plugging my website. I'm just saying. Like, just you should for, plug your website. But well, for yeah. the, web, for, you know, like if you want to know where these pieces are, I mean, we put them in front of the Supreme Court. We put, I mean, there, there, there's a number in DC, um, but there's one, like I said, there's one in Vegas. There's one by the Statue of Liberty in front of the UN and building in New York. I mean, they're all over. I mean, Texas, not Texas, but uh, Nuevo Laredo, Mexico, over the Rio Grande. I mean, they're everywhere. Has anyone, 
has anyone as part of these like done ones that were like timed to like, you know, an event? So Yes. There was one. <laughs> well, that gets back to this thing about being nimble. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um there was an anonymous project recently where um Putin appeared. It was a collaborative project. Uh, Putin appeared as a puppeteer over one of the MAGA rallies. Oh my god. In Houston. So if you had the app and you were at the rally, you could you could see <laughs> which yeah. Wow. Yeah, you could. I don't know how many Trump supporters have the app. <laughs> Zero. But um but uh yeah. So there are these ways and you know, here today, gone tomorrow. Like right. it's it's a it's an on off button in the back end. So yeah. it's like, you know, um and I and I intend to do more of that kind of thing, um, to be really responsive when but you also have to have the content ready. Again, right. it can't just be it could just be banners. It could just be right. text and sort of, um, pro, you know, typical protest art yeah. or, or atypical, whatever. But to me, it's more important. Like w- when I placed this one piece in front of the Supreme Court, then the day that Kavanaugh was confirmed, <clears throat> I actually took a drawing I'd done from a series that was inspired by a book about the way that trauma lives in the body and sexual assault and use that. And it, and it appears as an abstraction of a woman's figure. Mm. Um, and I just used the word and I added the word unprotected to it because, you know, it's 2018 and the ERA has never been ratified. Like yeah. we're still, we're literally unprotected by yeah. the constitution yeah. equally, but we were also unprotected in that moment. Yeah. And that's what I put in front. Yeah. So that's also a way of being, re- so that was like purely responsive, but other pieces are more meditative. You know, Deborah did a piece with sound over in front of the, um, Statue of Liberty. It's massive piece, beautiful. You can see it from the Staten Island ferry or from the shore or whatever, and included archival footage of, uh, of an Italian immigrant describing her reunite reunification with her father as she came into Ellis Island oh, wow. and against the backdrop of what's happened to what's happening. in yeah, yeah. right now. I mean, I could get really political again. So it was very poignant and very affecting in sort of contradistinction to that. This, this whole idea of, of the technology letting us take, take the art out into space, uh, you know, because it's in this dialogue with the idea of gallery spaces, of, of theaters, you know, being places of, of focused attention and then us be able to take the practice out and put it somewhere and create those moments of focused attention. It, it reminds me at the same time of in publishing where, you know, the paperback is, I mean, not fully dead, but like getting closer to being dead. And so thus it's like the hardback, the, the, the coffee table book, the art book, like the things we actually buy and read the book books need to be more significant. Yeah. More and, objects. Yeah. And, yeah. and, 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 and have, greater weight to them. It's like we create, as you democratize culture, the only way to create flashpoints is to just make better work, make more resonant work. That's the challenge. When everyone has a voice, you must resonate deeper in order to be heard. Yes. Yes. That's exactly, exactly right. That or just have everyone like repeat your thing over and over and over until it becomes the truth, even if it's a demonstrable lie. But I'm not going to get political. <laughs> but here. who's that? Who's, who's done that recently? Yeah, I try not to on the show, but like everyone knows what I am. So, um, I don't. I, I yeah. Anyway. Sorry, I always go there. So no, so do I. I mean, you can I, redirect. No, you can... I, 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 yeah, I, 
Well, the thing is, like, I, I, I don't invite the, I don't go there because I don't invite the discourse from the other side because I just like, I don't want to hear it, you know, like, yeah. I don't want to hear people being wrong at me. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. so I'm just like, nah, I don't go there because I'm not inviting them well, into my conversation. Yeah. you know, and that's part of, I think that's part of this project too, is that it's unapologetically what it is. Mm. Um, I'm not, if someone wants to do a, a, you know, their own version of that for the right, yeah. you know, best of luck. Yeah. Um, that's not my, that's not my thing. Yeah. No, and that's a, and that's that's the, the the democratization of the technology means that yeah everyone can have their own platform. Yeah. And that's the the wonder of it all, right? Yeah. In fact, our focus in the past fifteen years of the internet with the idea that like oh only Facebook matters only which also I mean, Facebook is an amazing company in a lot of ways. It is an amazing platform. They've done an incredible job of capturing people's attention, but it's always been a fallacy that like everyone had to go do their business there yeah and the number of times i tried to like lead people away from facebook and just the sheer inertia people were like and and i think back yeah. to the era when we went from oh god what was it we went from six degrees to friendster yep. to MySpace, myspace and then we finally landed on facebook and facebook grew through like you know colleges and it just you know and it was just another place that people put photos. And the only thing that was different between MySpace and Facebook is that people weren't doing dumb blingy things. Yeah. And so everyone had kind of matured out of stupid blingy and didn't want to look at like, you know, crappy websites anymore. Like, oh good, this place is just clean. Right. You know, it's more like, weirdly enough, it's like, oh, it's more like Friendster, but better. Right. And then... Without realizing they were giving away all of their data all the yeah. time. Well, oh, yeah. and they had been forever, yeah. right? You know, and then they just, and then just stop the inertia. Like, like plenty of people tried to create alternatives and everyone was just like, well, no, I don't want to try anything new anymore. Like why, why bother? Yeah. Yeah. Why yeah. Bother? When the truth is, is like the power was always in like making more platforms, yeah. make more platforms, make yeah. your own platform. Or don't accept, this is the thing. Like we, I was at this um, talk about art and blockchain and, mm. and there were a lot of people who were, you know, understandably, frustrated and scared and and threatened by you know what could what could happen and there were and there were a number of really fascinating conversations that grew out of it but what i felt sort of this this sort of inner scream rising up inside of me was like don't accept what it what's there like take you know take what's what you can find and then change it like innovate do something do something different with it you know yeah. just cut, like you said like come up with a great idea and then execute it yeah. I mean, it's not that easy. It takes a lot of resources and whatever, oh, yeah. but like, Way but even, more. I mean, but even yeah. conceptually, even conceptually, like the just don't was, accept it. Yeah. The fact that, I mean, so, some people are trying, but like, it feels like they're like, they're, they're not, they're not, they're trying to replicate the success of Facebook, which can never happen again the way it did when they're, they're trying to solve the wrong problem. Yes. And by the way, that inertia is dangerous. That inertia is what leads us to sort of where we are. Yeah. And ultimately to like Wally. But I think that like, <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? But like, I, I really feel like just that passive acceptance. But I want my cupcake in a cup. <laughs> and my jumbo <laughs> drink um, in my recliner. I, I just feel like that passive acceptance of any of it, like you just have to rigorously interrogate all of it all the time and then do what you can to be disruptive. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know about rigorous all the time. Cause like, but the fact that there's, that's me as an artist. Right. That's no, no, it's true. No. And, and, and that's the role of an artist. I, um, I, I like put on my, put on my like, like non-creative hat or I put on like my community organizer hat. And I think about 
you know, one of the problems is we don't have seasons anymore. Mm. It's just like, it's an endless, I mean, and as an Angelino, it's like, hi, hi what could be more ironic <laughs> than complaining about not having seasons? But no, like weather-wise, actually, we do have seasons. We're having a very pleasant December. We've had a couple of cold days and it's cold at And night. some very apocalyptic fires and rains. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We have yeah. fire and rain. Those yeah. are our two seasons. Uh, and then, then there's earthquake season. Yeah. Um, and as born and bred Knock on Yeah. my head. Um, there's, there's wood on the wall. Yeah. Uh, we'll get there later. Um, <laughs> as a Californian, you know, it's my birthright to complain about those things, but, um, we, we don't, we, we've just had this endless moment and we're not, and, and we're not, nothing ends. It just, yeah. it just goes on forever. And like, we have to almost like now mentally impose seasons, mentally impose, like we don't, we don't take the time to interrogate or, or we only interrogate and don't execute, or we only execute and don't plan, or we only plan and don't interrogate. And like these, there are these phases, there's, there's a natural rhythm, you know, you can get a little pagan here and, and talk about like, you know, winter, like you let things die and you mm-hmm. have to, you have the field life fallow, you go quiet, you eat the reserves you have because mm-hmm. you're going to get ready to store up and have that burst of, of activity in spring. And then you're going to sow and then you're going to reap and then you're, and you're going to keep that rhythm going and find different times and, and as a society, we don't call for that. No, like we, we don't get, reward it either. Yeah. The, the closest we do is that we have these different holiday seasons that we yeah. consume things in right. and they have themes, but they and don't horrible music. Right. Yeah. But they don't, they don't, the, the content, right. The meaning behind them has become obscured yeah. through a sameness of we treat, you know, at a base level, we treat Halloween the same way we treat Christmas, the same way we treat Valentine's Day, the same way we treat Fourth of July. It is go down to Target, mm-hmm. b- buy the set of things that you're supposed to buy mm-hmm. to hold the party uh, with that set of things and gather your friends to eat the appropriate food dishes. And it's not, all right, for All Hollows, we're going to think about our dead. And mm-hmm. for... Or Day of the Dead. Right. Yeah. And, and at Christmas where we're going to be, you know, thankful that we got through the, the longest night of the year, mm-hmm. right? That the, that the turning has come and mm-hmm. we can, you know, move on and daylight hours are coming back. Right. I yeah. mean, there's a reason why Christmas is where it is in the calendar, right? Cause yeah. you know, anyone who knows like he, he wasn't actually born then he was born <laughs> in a different time. Right. You know, um, like they, they did the math people. Um, it's all there. They did the math, right? Frogs. Uh, sorry. Uh, that's my Alex Jones. Um, they, uh, <laughs> sorry. I, don't, I really shouldn't have done that. Um, I can't, it's I can't fantastic. help it. Um, it's, it's, I, I, I was an improviser for five years in high school and college. Like to, I suppress it constantly. <laughs> don't suppress it. No, no, I don't. Definitely wanna, don't suppress I don't wanna, it. I don't want to terrify everyone. Um, you know, because because yeah. if I really let it loose, I don't you know. should. You <sighs> should. But you're right. There's yeah. a relentless. Yeah. It's relentless, but also what you described before of the like letting things die, letting them lie fallow, letting them generate, letting them be generative. Mm. That is the creative process, and the creative process is simply not valued in the culture yeah. it's just not it's not celebrated it's not valued because it's not commercial yeah like, and it can't be rewarded through you know like we celebrate the trappings of it yeah you know we get more excited about an avengers trailer than we do about the actual movie right yeah and also the trailers are always better than the movies yeah. right like yeah. i would rather watch three hours of new trailers than one blockbuster <laughs> film at this point and admit it 
you know I'm right. Yeah. You know, because like, yeah. like it would just be rad if yeah. if Avengers Four was just three hours of the Russo brothers making trailers for another twenty Marvel movies that will one day be made. Everyone would love it yeah. so much. Yeah. Don't give me story. Just keep me getting excited about the next thing. Right. Because there's a magic to that. But that's the thing is like the actual thing itself, the story, the, 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 the nut of it all. Which is the content. Which is the content. The good content. The good content. The real content. Uh, we don't, we don't value. We don't, I and mean, we do, but not really. Not like, really. Like we know we're supposed to. And occasionally we have, that. I mean, that's, that's why I get kind of like, for me, that's, that's what's interesting about immersive is that it's not that that's all there is, but there's the ratio for now, at least still. And it, and it will change one day. Right. We'll, we'll lose it to some degree. But at this moment, because things haven't scaled, because the technology isn't quite there yet, because the theater companies don't have the resources, because the audio art artists are toiling in obscurity, yeah. um, all there is to do is to make the work mm-hmm. and make it good mm-hmm. and try and... And work with what you have. And work with what you have and, and, and use availableism and try to uh, try to find a, an audience. And at some point, there'll be a flick of a switch and the scale bots will come mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll lose some of that thread. But my hope is that in the time we have over the next five years before things really can hit or, or however long it takes that we can build into the way the work is made and build into the, the, the way the work is experienced some buffers against the, 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 the overall wash. Well, this you know? is what we, what we initially started talking about when you walked in the studio, just to bring it back to Johnny Palazma, the cranky philosophical architect, um, which this book, the eyes of the skin, where he talks about the hegemony of the visual. Mm. Like if we, that, and, and he's talking about space, as I said, and he's, it's a, it's a, it's a call to arms to other architects to start paying attention when they're making space, when they are creating space for people, which is still broadly speaking. And if you think about it and immersive, not to overuse that word, but you know, he says, think about sound, think about haptics, think about smell, think about, the way the wind comes in, the way the light, like all of these considerations that we feel in our bodies, but don't, but have learned to ignore. And as humans and as like animals, we relied on those things. We talked about this, like Mm. we rely on those instincts, not only for survival, but also to get the full experience of a life. You know, we have these, we have these sensors, we have skin, we have tongues and ears and you know I mean we need to use them um when and and this particular medium or media or this range of media allows us to engage those things but we generally don't or we haven't yet or we can't so that's like if there's any directive and he's writing I mean I don't remember when he wrote this book but he wrote it to other you know it's just like you don't think about how the body experiences its proximity to a wall which sounds like such a funny thing to say, but like that's, that matters. Yeah. Do you makes, know what I mean? It makes all the, I mean, it, it makes all the difference in the world, right? Like yeah. weirdly enough, like I was, I was at a, I was at a kitchen 24 after the nine inch nails concert last night. We were sat next to one of the support beams. And so that meant that like, 
you know, I had an experience on of being like, you know, shoved in with other people, sandwiched as like the pit grew and contracted and like, you know, overwhelmed for a second and, and went away. Um, to, to, to the chagrin <laughs> of some of my people who just wanted, they wanted to get in and others who like didn't. Um, um, but then like to be back up against the wall and, and to be both like annoying to like still be contained, but also weirdly comforting to like not be out of that physical sense yet of there being something there that I couldn't move against. I, it yeah. wasn't, I was still, I was still boxed in a little bit that it kept my body in the same physical posture as, you know, you know, 40s, you know, 50 however many people were like moshing around me. Yeah. It's amazing. But it all, but it matters in terms of if you're going to talk about like experiential, you know, work, that's that, those decisions matter. Yeah. And his, his argument is just that like in contemporary architecture, you, you just lose that entirely. And it, everything is, 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 is just geared toward the visual. And I would say that because we have all have these black mirrors that we stare at all day, Mm. you know, that is also, that's the hegemony we live with, you know, Ironically, that says someone who uses an app for, that, yeah. that relies on that. But, you know, um, so we ha- just have to be mindful. Again, get back to that idea of intention. Yeah, I keep coming back. I mean, the, 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 the black mirror, the, the, the persinium in your pocket, as yeah. I say, because of, because of my site's branding. Like, um, you know, it's, it's funny because it is the, the ultimate oppressor. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is, it is uh, for years we use screens to escape and now it's become our, our shackle. Yes. And yet at the same time, it can be subverted. Like when you, yes. w- and, and the process of creating a VR device is you take one of those and you shove it into a headset and suddenly you've subverted the it's, shackle into becoming a tool of liberation. Yeah. Right. That's beautifully said. Yes. Um, so the battle's not over yet. No right? way. You know, a blade can be used to, you know, uh, you reap some wheat or yeah. it can be used to like cut some fools. Right. And like, it's a tool is a tool. It's how you use it. Yes. You know, some, some tools have very, you know, you know, direct affordances. Like right. Guns do one thing, shoot things. Uh, so do bows and arrows, but other tools have multiple devices and can be used to either, um, enslave or liberate. Yeah. That's the thing. It's not inherently good or bad. Yeah. It is literally in how you use it. Yeah. A hundred percent. It is inherently addictive. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, like, well, you know, maybe not. It's really the software, right? You know, there's nothing, you know, I won't, I won't actually do this, but someone, someone do this and report back to me. Turn your phone off, spend five minutes just tapping on the screen and see if that's satisfying at all to just yeah. move your finger around. I bet it's not. In fact, yeah. it even probably feels, and I know this from a blank screen, the, a blank screen feels different when you're sliding your thumb across it. It feels dead. Yeah, because it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's inanimate. Yeah. Yeah. That's 100% true. And then when they add that, and, and particularly when they add the haptics in the screen, right? So when the That's screen's totally off, what it already is, right? You yeah. know, think about it. Like there's, there's little things there. There's guess, even, well, yeah. A little tiny bits. A tiny bit. There's nothing was as good. I think it might have been the same E3 that I first saw the Oculus. Bayer, as in the aspirin company, was showing off. They have a whole materials division. And uh, they were showing off, and some of this technology made it in. Um, uh, They were showing off this 
a material that you could run a current through and it yeah. would change its shape almost like i don't know if you ever saw like batman begins like like the cape that he had like they ran a current yes, through it, and it's yes. it was that wow. they were showing off that material essentially and what they mm. had done is they had shoved it into an ipad and this was the first ipads too or, or the second generation they had shoved it in an ipad in order to create uh, a haptic system and then they had like a little like a traditional like labyrinth like you know like the ball thing like as an app but the material was being electrified, so you felt the thunk, 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 thunk. Oh. And they have no one's, I don't know if anyone's, I don't know the destiny of, of whether that stuff's been used or not, and you can see some apps where, like, you get that kind of, like, force feedback thing, the haptic feedback. Or just, like, a little it, vibration. Yeah. I mean, I think that's as yeah. much as it... And, and they might be, like, doing multiple sites for those little vibrations to create it, mm-hmm. but whatever they were doing that time, and it was just a matter of running a current through this material, and that was enough wow. to, like, create that feedback, to create, like, a real sense of depth and location on a, a flat a, screen. A flat screen. Wow. Still, like, you know, like, you know, whatever, the, the few millimeters that, like, you know, an iPad at the time was. Um, and just to know that... I mean, at some point we'll run up against the physics of this stuff and yeah. we won't be able to have a perfectly thin piece of glass that like has that level of, you know, tactileness to it. Well, who knows? I mean, yeah. I don't know if you saw like it's even in solar, solar. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, they can make solar cells that are the breadth of ink on a piece of paper. Yeah. And then so cover, those, cover a building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's true. So who knows? Yeah, it's entirely possible. It's yeah. entirely possible that one day our cell phones will just be uh, panes of glass that have full force feedback on it. Yeah. <sighs> Which would be, yeah. But we're still a little ways away from that. Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it's interesting because, you know, there's also a, a move towards making it all invisible and, 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 getting the technology out of our way and just enchanting space, which gets back to like, you know, the AR app and yeah. sort of the in-situ work. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but I mean, essentially it's just an extension of you, right? Because the camera of the, of the phone serves as your eyes because yeah. your eyes can't see it. So you need the camera to see it for you. Right. Yeah. So the camera becomes your secondary vision. And, and with the way people go back to concerts for a second, it's like you'd almost think that people couldn't see without their phones anyway because everyone oh takes it out. My favorite is that they they insist on taking video of the songs that the band is always going to play. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Go for the rarities, man. Get take your phone out. Take it out during the rarities. Think like Not, a deadhead, dude. Yeah. Like, you know, get your bootleg. <laughs> yeah. Right. You, know, you don't need closer. You don't need head like a hole. What you need, what you need is he played this one. He hasn't played anywhere else. Yeah. No, think yeah. like a deadhead. Get, or the ad lib or whatever. Just right. like the moment. Well, he's that, bantering. Turn it yeah, on now. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, like that's what you're supposed to document. Yeah. Uh, I heard the song we've all heard. Yes. We know you did. We already read the set list um it was a good show so uh, <laughs> i'm so glad you enjoyed it i know oh it was it was like the ur show it was like wow where it was, was it it was at the palladium oh. um and like i it was the third time i've seen them uh the first time was at the cow palace in san francisco uh this and this is the first time i was on the floor um first cow palace in san francisco then like the open coliseum so this is the smallest venue i've seen them at and i was wow. on the floor so wow. it felt like a club show and it was like the show i've always been like dreaming Wow. Uh, and, and, and in some ways, the show, like, it matched in my head what I imagine the show around, like, 93, 94 at the Kaiser Center in Oakland, which was the the one where they infamously, like, 
hit, I think it was Chris Renna, who was his drummer at the time, like in like he accidentally hit him in the head with a, a microphone stand and that kind of like, oh my God. I think that caused Chris Renna to, to leave. Um, and I was not at that show, but I had friends who were at that show. And so like that just, did, and I just was imagining like being in the room in a certain way. Uh-huh. And like, I was kind of where I thought I would have been in the room. That's so great. That's yeah. like a dream come true. Literally a dream come true. Wow. Yeah. Um, so it just, you know, took like what, 25 years or whatever it was. Uh, <laughs> no big deal. I try not to think about the time. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> he's my gym inspiration now. I was like, last night I was like, look, man, he's yoked. I got to go back to the gym. Um, <laughs> But like, and that, and and there's, and there's a there's there, that's I'm not gonna say that's an immersive experience, but like, that's an embodied experience. And like, yes, it is, especially when you're feeling other bodies pressing into right? yours, and you're up against the post, and you know, and the, and the sounds being shaped like it was it was the best goddamn sound mix I've ever heard wow. at a show ever. They were using quad channel and like, and amazingly, like you could hear all the vocals. You could hear every instrument. And did you feel them in your body? I felt them in my body and could hear them. Wow. Which, and I was dumb and I didn't wear my earplugs, but uh, I'll, when I go on Wednesday, I'll wear my earplugs. You're going to go again? Uh, yeah. Wow. I've never done that before. Wow. That's, that's yeah. like when Prince, I missed the whole oh, Prince God! thing. Oh, God! Like, did you go to that, like... No! That, you know, that's Such like, a fool! No, that's, I, me too. Like, oh, my great God. regret. My great regret. And he would just play, he played for like six hours I straight. Know. Night after night. I know. He was like the most formative part of my adolescence, I have I, to say. And oh God, I know, yeah. it's like, I, I could scream. And so many of my friends went, and I was <sighs> like, what the fuck is wrong with me? I Why would, didn't I go? There were there were, there were were people on the video game podcast to listen to, and like they would talk about like being at the show, <gasps> and they're like, oh, it's gone for another two weeks. And I would just sit there, and I'd be like, oh, well, if he's done this before, he'll do it again. Oh like, he likes doing stuff like this. I don't have to go now. Yeah. He's Prince. I know, that He's immortal. And and then and then the fact that like Bowie happened on the same because like the 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 other Nine Inch Nails show that I regret is like I didn't go to, um, I didn't go to the um, when he was on tour with Bowie. I think it was during Outside, uh, Bowie's Outside around the time of I'm Afraid of Americans. And I think that was mm. the show that it was like I think Marilyn Manson was opening and it was like uh, Bowie was headlining, but like Nine Inch Nails was like you know like right before Bowie. Maybe they slipped slipped some night. The Jim Rose Circus. It was like it was like almost like the infamous show. It was yeah. like, like the dark screwed up one. But it was like it was either Earthling or Outs. I think it was the Earthling album actually. Uh, and it, it was it was so such great music um hide of their powers um i think it was during downwards it was yeah i was thinking it was even during downward spiral and so it was just like super super height of all of their powers like bowie and resurgence and i missed it and i don't know like uh, bowie and prince passing was enough to now i'm just like oh you know God. when when the bands that i've always said i'd go to and show and, up you just go and then just just for the record like i also i i didn't go catch Fleetwood Mac at the forum before oh freaking they like what like they booted Lindsay right so like Lindsay's out again and I'm like why the <sighs> hell didn't I go like what you damn fool no. you damn fool I'm right in the same boat yeah <laughs> I'm in the fool boat with you yeah. I did the same thing yeah no no so I try not to make that mistake I'm really upset I mean, because just because like the Fleetwood Mac one is really the one but so look when when they had that triple bill at the Hollywood Bowl it was like uh, it was Blondie and Garbage, and then oh, I love garbage. and, and uh, Sky Ferreira uh, opened for them. And and what was great was like I've been totally into Sky, and like the set was okay. And then the Garbage set was like the Garbage set was good, but it not was, great. But not great. 
Sorry, everyone. Um, <laughs> but good still, right? Like it was the night. And then and then Blondie came on and Blondie was mind blowing. And you're wow. like, Debbie Harry is like 70. She's a fucking badass. She kicked everyone's ass. That doesn't surprise me at all. Just like destroyed. And we were like, it's the bowl. And we were like in the back. And it didn't matter. Just like. Oh my God. Just, ooh, electric. Um, Incredible. I, I think it's, I, I actually, I mean, th- gone into like concert mode and probably everyone's turned off. But I think, <laughs> I think, you know, for people who are making, making that work though, and you think about like, how do you deal with like, you know, if you want to scale or if you want to create that experience, like studying like the, the, the sort of social and artistic physics of a concert, mm-hmm. you know, it's a great place to start an amazing place to start. You know, like there's so much is going in into that. And they're getting more and more. I know that like a lot of artists are now musical artists are now integrating AR. Like my the my the people I work with at Drive, they created a thing, an experience for uh, Eminem in Coachella. And I think it was Coachella anyway. um, So, you know, a kind of interactive experience in AR with that was live that was timed to the set that was like this whole thing and projections and the thing so I mean I think a lot of artists are moving you too they're all moving in that not they're all moving but many of them are moving in that direction the biggest acts yeah yeah Yeah. the biggest acts but it's funny that like what you're describing is actually without all the bells and whistles still so impactful so like mind-blowing and you know game-changing well because so much of it's about sensory sensory and and being being conscious of the bodies in the space, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and like affording for that. Like the brilliant thing about the the sound mix at the Palladium by going quad and like having the mix be like as clear as it was. I mean, we all, we all, most of us listen to music in headphones or in AirPods right now. I just felt like I had turned my AirPods up really loud. Oh my God. Right? But it was still crystal, like every channel was crystal clear. It was as crystal clear as me sitting there with like like a, a, like the best pair of headphones I have. And I'm in space. I've never been to a concert where it was that clear before. And I felt like I was inside the music. That's so incredible. Have you that reminds me, have you ever done a sound bath? No. I need well, I sort of, but never one that was like specifically a sound bath. I've done like immersive experiences that have used sound bath elements, but I've never just straight up done a sound bath. Like if you're lying on the ground and you're in an amazing sound bath, sound you literally again immersive like back to like the VR experience. Anyway, you you forget that you have a body for a minute mm. or for many minutes. And the sound itself travels like physics elliptically through Ooh. your, like literally you can feel the ellipses as they move through you and you become aware of sound and you know, in a way that we just never ever do in our daily lives. How does that compare? Have you ever done a float tank? Yes. How does it compare to a float tank? Like they're different because they're different they're sensory. So different. different. I mean, but that, that that drift sense. The right? sense that you, when you finally like acknowledge in a drift, just to get like, um, pedestrian for a second in the drift t- in the float tank. I don't know if you've, have you done them? Yeah. 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 yeah so like you spend like the first 10 minutes worrying that your necks you're going to like, yes, y- going to break because you're holding up your head because you don't believe you can float. Right. But you, once you like give in to the float and you forget your body and the body temperature mo- mediates and whatever, it depends on what kind of music you choose. Mm. But that felt to me more sort of meditative and atmospheric. Whereas the sound bath felt like the sound again, moving through the body in mm. these ways that were, I can only say like they weren't metaphysical, but they were, it was, it was like I was experiencing the physics of sound in this very specific way. And it was layered 
and mm. intense and whether he's doing the, these glass bowls that are operating at different in different sizes and at different speeds or he's doing some crazy you know I don't know, like chimey thing. I don't know, but but you can't. It's unlocatable. It's un unfixed, and that's what makes it so electrifying, because you're like I can't, I can't track it, but it's moving all around me at all times, and so it's it's it, and and doing that live, like it's a live, it's a live thing, thing. Yeah. and you're just being guided by this sound bath person. Wow. Yeah. Okay, I gotta do that. Yeah. I mean, part of it's because like I keep on meaning to like if I do it, I was gonna like. Go for the brass ring, go to the integral shrine. Yeah, that's like I've first. never been there, but yeah. that why not? Why not yeah. just yeah start at the top and yeah. then, like, you know just refresh otherwise. <laughs> yeah. All right, um, we've been at it for a while, Nancy. How do people find your work? Um, they can find it through either my website. They can go to nancybakercahill.com. Is this what is this how you're at? I mean, yeah, are you yeah, asking yeah, me yeah. literally? You literally, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah okay. This, uh, this, this, I, this, I was like, that could be a rhetorical question. No, too. no, no, no. no. Uh, I'm not sure I'm prepared to answer it. Prepare mentally. Um, <laughs> uh, first, what you need to do is take a sound bath, as we as we established. Um, or or <laughs> or go through time. Go to the forum. Catch a print show. You can't do it. Anymore. No. Um, or they can go to fourthwallapp.org, or they can. Um, and how's that? Is that uh, it's the number four? Number four. T H. Okay. W A L L um, A P P. Org. Um, they can also, I just did a TEDx talk. They can Google that on sort of drawing as a tool for, in augmented reality as a tool for access, public access and public art. Um, and how else can they find it? I don't know. I mean, That's those Google. The, those, those are very good. <laughs> and, and then, of course, you know, the you can download the app. Yeah. And it is free. And it will, as you know, for the foreseeable future be free. Awesome. Nancy, thank you for having me at your studio. Thank you so much for this conversation. It was it, so fun. Once again, I want to thank Nancy Baker Cahill for being our guest on the show. And you can find the AR version of her work on the Google Play Store. It's under the art category. And on the App Store, the Apple App Store, which I believe it's under the entertainment category because apparently the App Store doesn't have an art category. What is up with that, Apple? Come on, y'all. Um, all right. Let's see. Uh, yeah, uh, everything's busy. <laughs> it's, it really is. Everything's busy. Uh, some things are getting neglected. And uh, much, much to my... Um, much to my chagrin, um, there's, it feels like finals week to me. Um, I've taken on some freelance work, uh, to kind of keep things going and, you know, make the, make the numbers all add up into, uh, the year, uh, and then going into next year so that, um, we have more time to work on no pro and work on Leia, um, which need, need the attention because, uh, the beautiful thing is the more we feed it, the stronger it becomes, uh, not necessarily on, on a money side of things <laughs> that, that just seems to kind of hold at a certain level, but, um, but definitely in terms on a, uh, impact of the work side of things. And I just want to take a moment to thank the team, especially Catherine, uh, who's been rocking it. Uh, and my friend Rachel, who's jumped in recently to, to do some stuff to kind of help us, uh, 
get some runway up and we're 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 expanding um we we are expanding we're bringing some new people on we're gonna we're gonna do some stuff and it is it remains my dream that one day one day not only will i be able to make my living doing this but um i can help them make livings doing this um and that's um Probably a naive dream at this point, to be perfectly honest. But um, sometimes you just got to put on the smile and jump into the pit of knives. So there we go. That's where we are at mentally right now. Um, but there's a lot of people helping out along the way. And we're going to do a lot of thinking at the end of the year. And uh, those of you who are uh, Patreon backers, I almost said Kickstarter backers, those of you who are Patreon backers uh, at the uh, quarterly level, uh, yes, I have I have all the tchotchkes. I have all the things for you. I just don't have the time to sit down and write the note to, to mail you this stuff. So that's going to happen. Expect that to happen, um, you know, a full month, month and a half late uh, after Christmas because going into the... Um, post office right now would be stupid so look for that uh towards the top of the year and then hopefully we'll get onto a nice little track part of the plan for 2019 is getting us into some good rhythms uh some good rituals uh you know the one thing that kind of is super consistent is the podcast even then you know it kind of has this like six hour window that it comes out on a friday um we're we're taking on some folks who are going to help out with the North American newsletter. We're going to have some guest editors coming on. Might as well start telling people stuff right now. Um, you know, we've been doing this for we've been doing this for five years. Next month, that's part of the the point of the No Pro Live, and um, that means it's it's really time to mature. Um, and there's a lot of stuff there's a lot of stuff we tried to do this past year, um, which we failed to do. Um, a lot of that came down to resources, uh, re both financial and time. Um, I want to try and fix that. There are, there are certain things in terms of the, the feature coverage and on the investigative side of, of, of things that, you know, we just can't afford to do, um, on a couple of different levels. And I want to fix that. Uh, there's, there's the fact that, you know, there's all these projects that I am involved in, in terms of, uh, Leo, which is a separate entity, which, um, technically I work for, even though there's no money. <laughs> like I, 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 I'm one of the founders, but the way we've now set it up is that I'm actually the employee. Um, and, uh, that's, that's, a, that's a whole nother, uh, kettle of fish. Uh, and then there's, uh, the IDS, which is like the co-production and the IDS takes up a lot of bandwidth, um, and finding a way to like contain that. Um, and no pro wants more, um, because there's, there's international stuff and there's the, the sheer breadth of the national and there's more social media stuff to do. And there's more features we could do. And there's, there's more reviews we could do. Um, and that takes time that takes effort. And at a certain point, um, you know, uh, mostly it just takes money, it takes fricking money. This is not me going like, please, please. No, 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 no. We'll figure some stuff out. Uh, the biggest, most important thing you can do if you really want to help out and you're like, oh, I can't open my wallet. I don't want to open my wallet. Uh, and I, and I don't necessarily want to open you to open your wallet. Um, I'm not asking for that, but what I am asking you to do is if you find this valuable, tell people about it, share it really helps to share. 
because the bigger a net we cast, the more people we get in, the more support we inevitably get in, and the more people get to discover the work. And the more people who discover the work, the more capacity the work has, the more capacity the work has, the more people discover the site. And the more people who discover, and it goes on and on and on, item for item. So that's the thing. Please share the stuff. It is the single most important thing you can do to help us out. Please share. It's just better when a YouTuber says, remember to like and share and subscribe. And next week I'm giving you my top 25 ways to, and then they say something horribly racist. Um, Cause it's YouTube and that's apparently all it's good for now. Um, put quotes on good. Anyway, uh, it's the end of the year. I'm cynical and uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't want to end on that note. Uh, I'm looking at the porg. The porg's like, you're going to end on that. I guess maybe we're ending on that note. No, there's this, this, um, there's so much, there's so much going on that I'm just, I almost feel lost in it myself. And, um, a nice little winter break is going to help with that. All right. Let's see. Uh, all the things, what do we do? Oh yeah. The credits. There's that credits thing we do. The music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. The sustaining backers of No Persinium are Jan Bumman, Lonnie Hansen, Ari Hurston, Mark Baltazar, Sam Kinkin, and Ross Sigworth. Uh, we are, have been, for this month, brought to you in part by the Johnny Carson Center for Emerging Media Arts, and of course, by listeners like you. Please contact us. You can find everything you need about us at nopersinium.com or at nopersinium on Twitter and Facebook or at no underscore persinium on Instagram. If you have a show you want to get word out on, please email us. Please email us at pitches at nopersinium.com or if you know where the Airtable thing is, use that. Um, and uh, yeah. Patreon.com slash no proscenium if you want to help the show. But mostly the best way you can help the show and everything you do, share, share, like. All right. I hear work calling, as I always do. Until next time, I'll see you at the show. 